You're listening to the Vanu Podcast, the podcast making you invulnerable to the coercion of the state and the servile society. Visit our website for free resources to aid you in your pursuit of self-liberation. Old Vanu publications, podcasts, guest articles, and much more. Go to vanupodcast.com. And now, your hosts, Shane and Jason. And welcome to the Vanu Podcast, the podcast making you invulnerable to the coercion of the state and the servile society. I'm your host Shane, coming to you from the homestead, second realm, uh, here in what the first realm would call uh, Illinois. Hope you're doing well and staying liberated, and uh, that you're ready for another interesting episode of the podcast. As I mentioned at least a couple of times, and as should be evident from some of the intro-outro clips uh, as of late, I've been digging back through the work of Bill Cooper. Uh, This led me back to Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, a pretty revealing document originally found in Bill's book, will hold a pale horse. Uh, In a sort of addendum to our Building the Second Realm re-release, I figured we would uh, take a dive into the minds of the technocrats, the social engineers, and re-familiarize ourselves with their mechanisms of mind control and physical control over the masses. And of course, knowledge of the tools and tactics of our enemy uh, helped to better inform our actions, so there is that as well. Overall, it's an important document, uh, but I try to provide vocal emphasis on parts I'd like to draw special attention to. Uh, there are things uh, there are things that, when consumed back in the 1970s or even in the early 1990s uh, in Bill's book, uh, would be disbelieved as crazy, as impossible by many readers, especially with this sort of uh, perspective on technology. Uh, consider where technology was back in the 1970s or even uh, to the general public in the 1990s. Uh, absolutely, uh, you know, unbelievable. Well, as has been the case since discovering Bill and his radio show, The Hour of the Time, uh, back in roughly 2013, uh, he has vindicated time and time and time again. One final announcement before turning over to Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. A special video will be released on both the Liberty Under Attack Publications fascist, fascist book uh, page and YouTube channel this coming July 4th. Uh, of course, it will be archived and available whenever. But if you're curious about the newest project I have, have up my sleeve, uh, pay attention there for updates. Uh, and obviously released on July 4th. There's something symbolic about that. Uh, but you'll have to wait and see uh, just what that might be. Uh, anyway, that's all, guys. Please check out our sponsor, Liberty Attack Publications, for books, audiobooks, and privacy tools. And uh, the website of this podcast, vanupodcast.com. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll be back next week. Cheers, guys. Excerpts from Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. Copy furnished by Mr. Tom Young, a fellow warrior in the cause of freedom. Excerpts printed word for word exactly as discovered, with the added comments of William Cooper, emphasis added by William Cooper. The Illuminati's declaration of war upon the people of America, above title added by William Cooper. Author's Notes I read top-secret documents which explain that Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars is the doctrine adopted by the Policy Committee of the Bilderberg Group during its first known meeting in 1954. A copy found in 1969 was in the possession of naval intelligence. The following document, dated May 1979, was found on July 7, 1986, in an IBM copier that had been purchased at a surplus sale. It reads, Top Secret, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. An Introductory Programming Manual, Operations Research, Technical Manual, TM-SW 7905.1. Welcome aboard. This publication marks the 25th anniversary of the Third World War, called the Quiet War, being conducted using subjective biological warfare fought with silent weapons. 
This book contains an introductory description of this war, its strategies, and its weaponry. May 1979, number 74-1120. Security. It is patently impossible to discuss social engineering or the automation of society, i.e. the engineering of social automation systems, silent weapons, on a national or worldwide scale without implying extensive objectives of social control and destruction of human life, i.e. slavery and genocide. This manual is in itself an analog declaration of intent. Such a writing must be secured from public scrutiny. Otherwise, it might be recognized as a technically formal declaration of domestic war. Furthermore, whenever any person or group of persons in a position of great power and without full knowledge and consent of the public uses such knowledge and methodology for economic conquest, it must be understood that a state of domestic warfare exists between said person or group of persons and the public. The solution of today's problems requires an approach which is ruthlessly candid, with no agonizing over religious, moral, or cultural values. You have qualified for this project because of your ability to look at human society with cold objectivity, and yet analyze and discuss your observations and conclusions with others of similar intellectual capacity without a loss of discretion or humility. Such virtues are exercised in your own best interest. Do not deviate from them. William Cooper, Author's Notes. All above emphases are mine, as are those in the following two sections, and including bracketed editions throughout. I do recognize this document, based upon the document's own admission, as a formal declaration of war by the Illuminati upon the citizens of the United States of America. I acknowledge that a state of war exists, and has existed between the citizens of the United States of America and the Illuminati aggressor, based upon this recognition. I present to you that the peaceful citizens of this nation are fully justified in taking whatever steps may be necessary, including violence, to identify, counterattack, and destroy the enemy. I base this statement upon the God-given right of any peaceful people to defend themselves against attack and destruction by any enemy waging war against them. I cite the principles outlined in the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States of America, and the fully recognized and acknowledged historical precedents that have served as the justification for destruction of tyrants. Historical Introduction Silent Weapon Technology has evolved from Operations Research, OR, a strategic and tactical methodology developed under the military management, Eisenhower, in England during World War II. The original purpose of Operations Research was to study the strategic and tactical problems of air and land defense with the objective of effective use of limited military resources against foreign enemies, i.e. logistics. It was soon recognized by those in positions of power, the Council on Foreign Relations, that these same methods might be useful for totally controlling a society, but better tools were necessary. Social engineering, the analysis, and automation of a society requires the correlation of great amounts of constantly changing economic information, data, so a high-speed computerized data processing system which could race ahead of the society and predict when society would arrive for capitulation. Relay computers were too slow, but the electronic computer, invented in 1946 by J. Presper Eckert and John W. Mockley, filled the bill. The next breakthrough was the development of the simplex method of linear programming in 1947 by the mathematician George B. Dantzig. Then, in 1948, the transistor, invented by J. Bardeen, W. H. Brayton, and W. Shockley, promised great expansion of the computer field by reducing space and power requirements. With these three inventions under their direction, those in positions of power strongly suspected that it was possible for them to control the whole world with the push of a button. 
Immediately, the Rockefeller Foundation got in on the ground floor by making a four-year grant to Harvard College, funding the Harvard Economic Research Project for the study of the structure of the American economy. One year later, in 1949, the United States Air Force joined in. In 1952, the original grant period terminated, and a high-level meeting of the elite, Illuminati, was held to determine the next phase of social operations research. The Harvard project had been very fruitful, as is borne out by the publication of some of its results in 1953, suggesting the feasibility of economic social engineering. Studies in the Structure of the American Economy, copyright 1953 by Wassily Leontief, International Sciences Press, Inc., White Plains, New York. Engineered in the last half of the decade of the 40s, the new quiet war machine stood, so to speak, in sparkling gold-plated hardware on the showroom floor by 1954. With the creation of the Maser in 1954, the promise of unlocking unlimited sources of fusion atomic energy from the heavy hydrogen and seawater, and the consequent availability of unlimited social power was a possibility only decades away. The combination was irresistible. The quiet war was quietly declared by the international elite, the Bilderberg Group, at a meeting held in 1954. Although the silent weapon system was nearly exposed 13 years later, the evolution of the new weapon system has never suffered any major setbacks. This volume marks the 25th anniversary of the beginning of the Quiet War. Already, this domestic war has had many victories on many fronts throughout the world. Political Introduction In 1954, it was well recognized by those in positions of authority it was only a matter of time, only a few decades before the general public would be able to grasp and upset the cradle of power, for the very elements of the new silent weapon technology were as accessible for a public utopia as they were for providing a private utopia. The issue of primary concern, that of dominance, resolved around the subject of the energy sciences. Energy Energy is recognized as the key to all activity on Earth. Natural science is the study of the sources and control of natural energy, and social science, theoretically expresses economics, is the study of the sources and control of social energy. Both are bookkeeping systems, mathematics. Therefore, mathematics is the primary energy science, and the bookkeeper can be king if the public can be kept ignorant of the methodology of the bookkeeping. All science is merely a means to an end. The means is knowledge. The end is control. The end always justifies the means, Bill. Beyond this remains only one issue. Who will be the beneficiary? In 1954, this was the issue of primary concern. Although these so-called moral issues were raised in view of the law of natural selection, it was agreed that a nation or world of people who will not use their intelligence are no better than animals who do not have intelligence. Such people are beasts of burden and stakes on the table by choice and consent. Consequently, in the interest of future world order, peace, and tranquility, it was decided to privately wage a quiet war against the American public, with an ultimate objective of permanently shifting the natural and social energy, wealth, of the undisciplined and irresponsible many into the hands of the self-disciplined, responsible, and worthy few. In order to implement this objective, it was necessary to create, secure, and apply new weapons which, as it turned out, were a class of weapons so subtle and sophisticated in their principle of operation, in public appearance, as to earn for themselves the name Silent Weapons. In conclusion, the objective of economic research, as conducted by the magnates' capital, banking, and the industries of commodities, goods, and vices, is the establishment of an economy which is totally predictable and manipulative. 
In order to achieve a totally predictable economy, the low-class elements of the society must be brought under total control, i.e., must be housebroken, trained, and assigned a yoke and long-term social duties from a very early age, before they have an opportunity to question the propriety of the matter. In order to achieve such conformity, the lower-class family unit must be disintegrated by a process of increasing preoccupation of the parents and the establishment of government-operated daycare centers for the occupationally orphaned children. The quality of education given to the lower class must be of the poorest sort, so that the mote of ignorance isolating the inferior class from the superior class is and remains incomprehensible to the inferior class. With such an initial handicap, even bright lower-class individuals have little, if any, hope of extricating themselves from their assigned lot in life. This form of slavery is essential to maintaining some measure of social order, peace, and tranquility for the ruling upper class. Descriptive Introduction of the Silent Weapon Everything that is expected from an ordinary weapon is expected from a silent weapon by its creators, but only in its own manner of junctioning. It shoots situations instead of bullets, propelled by data processing instead of a chemical reaction explosion, originating from bits of data instead of grains of gunpowder, from a computer instead of a gun, operated by a computer programmer instead of a marksman, under the orders of a banking magnate instead of a military general. It makes no obvious explosive noises, causes no obvious physical or mental injuries, and does not obviously interfere with anyone's daily social life. Yet it makes an unmistakable noise causes unmistakable physical and mental damage, and unmistakably interferes with daily social life, i.e. unmistakable to a trained observer, one who knows what to look for. The public cannot comprehend this weapon, and therefore cannot believe that they are being attacked and subdued by a weapon. The public might instinctively feel that something is wrong, but because of the technical nature of the silent weapon, they cannot express their feeling in a rational way, or handle the problem with intelligence. Therefore, they do not know how to cry for help, and do not know how to associate with others to defend themselves against it. When a silent weapon is applied gradually, the public adjusts, or adapts to its presence, and learns to tolerate its encroachment on their lives, until the pressure, psychological via economic, becomes too great, and they crack up. Therefore, the silent weapon is a type of biological warfare. It attacks the vitality options, and mobility of the individuals of a society by knowing, understanding, manipulating, and attacking their sources of natural and social energy, and their physical, mental, and emotional strengths and weaknesses. Theoretical Introduction Quote, Give me control over a nation's currency, and I care not who makes its laws. End quote. Mayor Amschel Rothschild, 1743 to 1812. Today's silent weapons technology is an outgrowth of a simple idea discovered, succinctly expressed, and effectively applied by the quoted Mr. Mayor Amschel Rothschild. Mr. Rothschild discovered the missing passive component of economic theory known as economic inductance. He, of course, did not think of his discovery in these 20th century terms, and to be sure, mathematical analysis had to wait for the Second Industrial Revolution, the rise of the theory of mechanics and electronics, and finally, the invention of the electronic computer before it could be effectively applied in the control of the world economy. General Energy Concepts In the study of energy systems, there always appear three elementary concepts. These are potential energy, kinetic energy, and energy dissipation. In corresponding to these concepts, there are three idealized, essentially pure physical counterparts called passive components. Number one, 
In the science of physical mechanics, the phenomenon of potential energy is associated with a physical property called elasticity, or stiffness, and can be represented by a stretched spring. In electronic science, potential energy is stored in a capacitor instead of a spring. This property is called capacitance instead of elasticity or stiffness. Number two. In the science of physical mechanics, the phenomenon of kinetic energy is associated with a physical property called inertia or mass, and can be represented by a mass or a flywheel in motion. In electronic science, kinetic energy is stored in an inductor in a magnetic field instead of a mass. This property is called inductance instead of inertia. Number three. In the science of physical mechanics, the phenomenon of energy dissipation is associated with a physical property called friction or resistance and can be represented by a dash pot or other device which converts system energy into heat. In electronic science, dissipation of energy is performed by an element called either a resistor or a conductor, the term resistor being the one generally used to express the concept of friction, and the term conductor being generally used to describe a more ideal device, for example wire, employed to convey electronic energy efficiently from one location to another. The property of a resistance or conductor is measured as either resistance or conductance reciprocals. In economics, these three energy concepts are associated with 1. Economic capacitance, capital, money, stock inventory, investments in buildings and durables, etc. Number 2. Economic conductance, goods, production flow coefficients. Number 3. Economic inductance, services, the influence of the population of industry on outputs. All of the mathematical theory developed in the study of one energy system, for example mechanics, electronics, etc., can be immediately applied in the study of any other energy system, for example economics. Mr. Rothschild's Energy Discovery What Mr. Rothschild had discovered was the basic principle of power, influence, and control over people as applied to economics. That principle is, when you assume the appearance of power, people soon give it to you. Mr. Rothschild had discovered that currency or deposit loan accounts had the required appearance of power that could be used to induce people, inductance with people corresponding to a magnetic field, and to surrendering their real wealth in exchange for a promise of greater wealth instead of real compensation. It would put up a real collateral in exchange for a loan of promissory notes. Mr. Rothschild found that he could issue more notes than he had backing for, so long as he had someone's stock of gold as a persuader to show to his customers. Mr. Rothschild loaned his promissory notes to individuals and to governments. These would create overconfidence. Then he would make money scarce, tighten control of the system, and collect the collateral through the obligation of contracts. The cycle was then repeated. These pressures could be used to ignite a war. Then he would control the availability of currency to determine who would win the war. That government, which agreed to give him control of its economic system, got his support. Collection of debts was guaranteed by economic aid to the enemy of the debtor, The profit derived from this economic methodology made Mr. Rothschild all the more able to extend his wealth. He found that the public greed would allow currency to be printed by government order beyond the limits, inflation, of macking in precious metal or the production of goods and services, gross national product, GNP. Apparent Capital as Paper Inductor In this structure, credit, presented as a pure element called currency, has the appearance of capital but is in fact negative capital. Hence, it has the appearance of service, but is in fact indebtedness or debt. It is therefore an economic inductance instead of an economic capacitance, and if balanced in no other way, will be balanced by the negation of population, war, genocide. 
The total goods and services represent real capital called the gross national product, and currency may be printed up to this level and still represent economic capacitance. But currency printed beyond this level is subtractive, represents the introduction of economic inductance, and constitutes notes of indebtedness. War is therefore the balancing of the system by killing the true creditors, the public which we have taught to exchange true value for inflated currency, and falling back on whatever is left of the resources of nature and regeneration of those resources. Mr. Rothschild had discovered that currency gave him the power to rearrange the economic structure to his own advantage to shift economic inductance to those economic positions which would encourage the greatest economic instability and oscillation. The final key to economic control had to wait until there was sufficient data and high-speed computing equipment to keep close watch on the economic oscillations created by price shocking and excess paper energy credits, paper inductance, inflation. Breakthrough The aviation field provided the greatest evolution in economic engineering by way of the mathematical theory of shock testing. In this process, a projectile is fired from an airframe on the ground, and the impulse of the recoil is monitored by vibration transducers connected to the airframe and wired to chart recorders. By studying the echoes or reflections of the recoil impulse, it is possible to discover critical vibrations in the structure of the airframe, which either vibrations of the engine or ALN vibrations of the wings, or a combination of the two might reinforce resulting in a resonant self-destruction of the airframe in flight as an aircraft. From the standpoint of engineering, this means that the strengths and weaknesses of the structure of the airframe in terms of vibrational energy can be discovered and manipulated. Application in Economics To use this method of airframe shock testing in economic engineering, the prices of commodities are shocked and the public consumer reaction is monitored. The resulting echoes of the economic shock are interpreted theoretically by computers and the psychoeconomic structure of the economy is thus discovered. It is by this process that partial differential and difference matrices are discovered that define the family household and make possible its evaluation as an economic industry. Dissipative consumer structure. Then the response of the household to future shocks can be predicted and manipulated, and society becomes a well-regulated animal with its reins under the control of a sophisticated computer-regulated social energy bookkeeping system. Eventually, every individual element of the structure comes under computer control through a knowledge of personal preferences, such knowledge guaranteed by Computer Association of Consumer Preferences, Universal Product Code, UPZ, Zebra Stripe Pricing Codes on Packages, with identified consumers, identified via association with the use of a credit card, and later a permanent tattooed body number, invisible under normal ambient illumination. The Economic Model The Harvard Economic Research Project 1948 was an extension of World War II operations research. Its purpose was to discover the science of controlling an economy, at first the American economy, and then the world economy. It was felt that with sufficient mathematical foundation and data, it would be nearly as easy to predict and control the trend of an economy as to predict and control the trajectory of a projectile, such as proven to be the case. Moreover, the economy has been transformed into a guided missile on target. The immediate aim of the Harvard project was to discover the economic structure, what forces change that structure, how the behavior of that structure can be predicted, and how it can be manipulated. What was needed was a well-organized knowledge of the mathematical structures and interrelationships of investment, production, distribution, and consumption. To make a short story of it all, it was discovered that an economy obeyed the same laws as electricity, and that all of the mathematical theory and practical and computer know-how developed for the electronic field could be directly applied in the study of economics. 
This discovery was not openly declared, and its more subtle implications were and are kept a closely guarded secret. For example, that in an economic model, human life is measured in dollars, and that the electric spark generated when opening a switch connected to an active inductor is mathematically analogous to the initiation of a war. The greatest hurdle which theoretical economists face with the accurate description of the household as an industry... This is the challenge because consumer purchases are a matter of choice, which in turn is influenced by income, price, and other economic factors. This hurdle was cleared in an indirect and statistically approximate way by an application of shock testing to determine the current characteristics, called current technical coefficients, of a household industry. Finally, because problems in theoretical economics can be translated very easily into problems in theoretical electronics, and the solution translated back again, it follows that only a book of language translation and concept definition needed to be written for economics. The remainder could be gotten from standard works on mathematics and electronics. This makes the publication of books on advanced economics unnecessary and greatly simplifies project security. Industrial Diagrams An ideal industry is defined as a device which receives value from other industries in several forms and converts it into one specific product for sales and distribution to other industries. It has several inputs and one output. What the public normally thinks of as one industry is really an industrial complex where several industries under one roof produce one or more products. Three industrial classes. Industries fall into three categories or classes by type of output. Class number one, capital resources. Class number two, goods, commodities for use, dissipative. Class number three, services, action of population. Class number one, industries exist at three levels. One, nature, sources of energy and raw materials. Number two, government, printing of currency equal to gross national product, GNP, and extension, inflation of currency in excess of GNP. Number three, banking, loaning of money for interest, and extension, inflation slash counterfeiting, of economic value through deposit loan accounts. Class number two, industries exist as producers of tangible or consumer dissipated products, this sort of activity is usually recognized and labeled by the public as an industry. Class number three industries are those which have service rather than a tangible product as their output. These industries are called one, households, and two, governments. Their output is human activity of a mechanical source, and their basis is population. Aggregation. The whole economic system can be represented by a three-industry model if one allows the names of the outputs to be one capital, two goods, and three services. The problem with this representation is that it would not show the influence of, say, the textile industry on the ferrous metal industry. This is because both the textile industry and the ferrous metal industry would be contained within a single classification called the goods industry, and by this process of combining or aggregating these two industries under one system block, they would lose their economic individuality. The E-Model a national economy consists of simultaneous flows of production, distribution, consumption, and investment. If all of these elements, including labor and human functions, are assigned a numerical value in like units of measure, say $19.39, then this flow can be further represented by a current flow in an electronic circuit, and its behavior can be predicted and manipulated with useful precision. The three ideal passive energy components of electronics, the capacitor, the resistor, and the inductor, correspond to the three ideal passive energy components of economics called the pure industries of capital goods and services, respectively. Economic capacitance represents the storage of capital in one form or another. Economic conductance represents the level of conductance of materials for the production of goods. 
Economic inductance represents the inertia of economic value and motion. This is a population phenomenon known as services. Economic inductance. An electrical inductor, for example a coil of wire, has an electric current as its primary phenomenon and a magnetic field as its secondary phenomenon, inertia. Corresponding to this, an economic inductor has a flow of economic value as its primary phenomenon and a population field as its secondary phenomenon of inertia. When the flow of economic value, that is money, diminishes, the human population field collapses in order to keep the economic value, money, flowing, extreme case, war. This public inertia is a result of consumer buying habits, expected standard of living, etc., and is generally a phenomenon of self-preservation. Inductive factors to consider. 1. Population 2. Magnitude of the economic activities of the government Number 3. The method of financing these government activities, see Peter Paul Principle, Inflation of the Currency Translation A few examples will be given. Charge Columns Dollars 1939 Flow slash current Amperes Columns per second Dollars of flow per year Motivating force Volts Dollars, output demand. Conductance, amperes per volt, dollars of flow per year per dollar demand. Capacitance, columns per volt, dollars of production inventory, slash stock per dollar demand. Time flow relationships and self-destructive oscillations. An ideal industry may be symbolized electronically in various ways. The simplest way is to represent a demand by a voltage and a supply by a current. When this is done, the relationship between the two becomes what is called an admittance, which can result from three economic factors. One, hindsight flow, two, present flow, and three, foresight flow. Foresight flow is the result of that property of living entities to cause energy, food, to be stored for a period of low energy, for example, a winter season. It consists of demands made upon an economic system for that period of low energy, the winter season. In a production industry, it takes several forms, one of which is known as production stock or inventory. In electronic symbology, this specific industry demand, a pure capital industry, is represented by capacitance, and the stock or resource is represented by a stored charge. Satisfaction of an industry demand suffers a lag because of the loading effect of inventory priorities. Present flow ideally involves no delays. It is, so to speak, input today for output today, a hand-to-mouth flow. In electronic symbology, this specific industry demand, a pure-use industry, is represented by a conductance, which is then a simple economic valve a dissipative element. Hindsight flow is known as habit or inertia. In electronics, this phenomenon is the characteristic of an inductor, economic analog equals a pure service industry, in which a current flow, economic analog equals flow of money, creates a magnetic field, economic analog equals active human population, which, if the current, money flow begins to diminish, collapse, or, to maintain the current, flow of money, minus energy. Other large alternatives to war as economic inductors or economic flywheels are an open-ended social welfare program, or an enormous but fruitful open-ended space program. The problem with stabilizing the economic system is that there is too much demand on account of 1. Too much greed, and 2. Too much population. This creates excessive economic inductance, which can only be balanced with economic capacitance, true resources or value, for example in goods or services. The social welfare program is nothing more than an open-ended credit balance system which creates a false capital industry to give non-productive people a roof over their heads and food in their stomachs. This can be useful, however, because the recipients become state property in return for the gift, a standing army for the elite. 
for he who pays the piper picks the tune. Those who get hooked on this economic drug must go to the elite for a fix. In this, the method of introducing large amounts of stabilizing capacitance is by borrowing on the future credit of the world. This is a fourth law of motion, onset, and consists of performing an action and leaving the system before the reflected reaction turns to the point of action, a delayed reaction. The means of surviving the reaction is by changing the system before the reaction can return. By this means, politicians become popular in their own time, and the public pays for it later. In fact, the measure of such a politician is the delay time. The same thing is achieved by a government by printing money beyond the limit of the gross national product, an economic excess called inflation. Authors note, remember that inflation is only the act of printing money in excess of gross national product. They could blame it on the price of widgets or oil only, because you never know the real cause. The real cause and the only cause of inflation is the printing of more money beyond the gross national product. This puts a large quantity of money into the hands of the public and maintains a balance against their greed, creates a false self-confidence in them, and for a while stays the wolf from the door. They must eventually resort to war to balance the account because war ultimately is merely the act of destroying the creditor, and the politicians are the publicly hired hitmen that justify the act to keep their responsibility and blood off the public conscience. See section on consent factors and social economic structuring. If the people really cared about their fellow man, they would control their appetites, greed, procreation, etc., so that they would not have to operate on a credit or welfare social system, which steals from the worker to satisfy the bum. Since most of the general public will not exercise restraint, there are only two alternatives to reduce the economic inductance of the system. One, let the populace bludgeon each other to death in war, which will only result in a total destruction of the living earth. Number two, take control of the world by the use of economic silent weapons in a form of quiet warfare and reduce the economic inductance of the world to a safe level by a process of benevolent slavery and genocide. The latter option has been taken as the obviously better option. At this point, it should be crystal clear to the reader why absolute secrecy about these silent weapons is necessary. The general public refuses to improve its own mentality and its faith in its fellow man. It has become a herd of proliferating barbarians, and so to speak, a blight upon the face of the earth. They do not care enough about economic science to learn why they have not been able to avoid war despite religious morality, and their religious or self-gratifying refusal to deal with earthly problems renders the solution of the earthly problem unreachable by them. It is left to those few who are truly willing to think and survive as the fittest to survive, to solve the problem for themselves as the few who really care. Otherwise, exposure of the silent weapon would destroy our only hope of preserving the seed of future true humanity. The Household Industry The industries of finance, banking, manufacturing, and government, real counterparts of the pure industries of capital, goods, and services, are easily defined because they are generally logically structured. Because of this, their processes can be described mathematically, and their technical coefficients can be easily deduced. This, however, is not the case with the service industry known as the household industry. Household Models The problem which a theoretical economist faces is that the consumer preferences of any household is not easily predictable, and the technical coefficients of any one household tend to be nonlinear, very complex, and variable function of income prices, etc. Computer information derived from the use of the universal product code, in conjunction with credit card purchase as an individual household identifier, could change the state of affairs, but the UPC method is not yet available on a national or even a significant regional scale. To compensate for this data deficiency, an alternate indirect approach of analysis has been adopted, known as economic shock testing. This method, widely used in the aircraft manufacturing industry, develops an aggregate statistical sort of data. 
Applied to economics, this means that all of the households in one region, or in the whole nation, are studied as a group or class rather than individually, and the mass behavior rather than individual behavior is used to discover useful estimates of the technical coefficients governing the economic structure of the hypothetical single-household industry. One method of evaluating the technical coefficients of the household industry depends upon shocking the prices of a commodity and noting the changes in the sales of all the commodities. Economic Shock Testing In recent times, the application of operations research to the study of the public economy has been obvious for anyone who understands the principles of shock testing. In the shock testing of an aircraft airframe, the recoil impulse of firing a gun mounted on that airframe causes shock waves in that structure, which tell aviation engineers the conditions under which parts of the airplane, or the whole airplane or its wings, will start to vibrate or flutter like a guitar string, a flute reed, or a tuning fork, and disintegrate or fall apart in flight. Economic engineers achieve the same result in studying the behavior of the economy and the consumer public by carefully selecting a staple commodity such as beef, coffee, gasoline, or sugar, and then causing a sudden change or shock in its price or availability, thus kicking everybody's budget and buying habits out of shape. They then observe the shock waves, which result by monitoring the changes in advertising, prices, and sales of that and other commodities. The objective of such studies is to acquire the know-how to set the public economy into a predictable state of motion or change, even a controlled self-destructive state of motion which will convince the public that certain expert people should take control of the money system and re-establish security rather than liberty and justice for all. When the subject citizens are rendered unable to control their financial affairs, they, of course, become totally enslaved, a source of cheap labor. Not only the prices of commodities, but also the availability of labor can be used as the means of shock testing. Labor strikes deliver excellent tails shocks to an economy, especially in the critical service areas of trucking, transportation, communication, public utilities, energy, water, garbage collection, etc. By shock testing, it is found that there is a direct relationship between the availability of money flowing in an economy and the psychological outlook and response of masses of people dependent upon that availability. For example, there is a measurable quantitative relationship between the price of gasoline and the probability that a person would experience a headache, feel a need to watch a violent movie, smoke a cigarette, or go to a tavern for a mug of beer. It is most interesting that, by observing and measuring the economic modes by which the public tries to run from their problems and escape from reality, and by applying the mathematical theory of operations research... It is possible to program computers to predict the most probable combination of created events, shocks, which will bring about a complete control and subjugation of the public through a subversion of the public economy by shaking the plum tree. Introduction to Economic Amplifiers Economic amplifiers are the active components of economic engineering. The basic characteristic of any amplifier, mechanical, electrical, or economic, is that it receives an input control signal and delivers energy from an independent energy source to a specified output terminal in a predictable relationship to that input control signal. The simplest form of economic amplifier is a device called advertising. If a person is spoken to by a TV advertiser as if he were a 12-year-old, then, due to suggestibility, he will, with a certain probability, respond or react to that suggestion with the uncritical response of a 12-year-old, and will reach into his economic reservoir and deliver its energy to buy that product on impulse when he passes it in the store. An economic amplifier may have several inputs and outputs. Its response might be instantaneous or delayed. Its circuit symbol might be a rotary switch if its options are exclusive, qualitative, go or no-go, or it might have its parametric input-output relationships specified by a matrix with internal energy sources represented. 
Whatever its form might be, its purpose is to govern the flow of energy from a source to an output sink in direct relationship to an input control signal. For this reason, it is called an active circuit element or component. Economic amplifiers fall into classes called strategies, and in comparison with electronic amplifiers, the specific internal functions of an economic amplifier are called logistical instead of electrical. Therefore, economic amplifiers not only deliver power gain, but also in effect are used to cause changes in the economic circuitry. In the design of an economic amplifier, we must have some idea of at least five functions, which are 1. The available input signals, 2. The desired output control objectives, 3. The strategic objective, 4. The available economic power sources, and 5. The logistical options. The process of defining and evaluating these factors and incorporating the economic amplifier into an economic system has been popularly called game theory. The design of an economic amplifier begins with a specification of the power level of the output, which can range from personal to national. The second condition is accuracy of response, i.e. how accurately the output action is a function of the input commands. High gain combined with strong feedback helps deliver the required precision. Most of the error will be in the input data signal. Personal input data tends to be specific, while national input data tends to be statistical. Short list of inputs questions to be answered. What, where, why, when, how, who? General sources of information. 1. Telephone taps. 2. Surveillance. 3. Analysis of garbage. 4. Behavior of children in school. Standard of living by 1. Food. 2. Clothing. 3. Shelter. 4. Transportation. Social contacts. 1. Telephone. Itemized record of calls. 2. Family marriage certificates, birth certificates, etc., friends, associates, etc., number four, memberships and organizations, and number five, political affiliation. The personal paper trail, personal buying habits, i.e. personal consumer preferences, one, checking accounts, two, credit card purchases, three, tagged credit card purchases, the credit card purchase of products bearing the UPC, universal product code, assets, one, checking accounts, 2. Savings accounts, 3. Real estate, 4. Business, 5. Automobile, etc., 6. Safety deposit at bank, and 7. Stock market. Liabilities. Number 1. Editors, 2. Enemies, see legal, 3. Loans, and 4. Consumer credit. Government sources, ploys. Number 1. Welfare. Number 2. Social security. Number 3. USDA surplus food, four doles, five grants, and six subsidies. Note on ploy. Principle of this ploy. The citizen will almost always make the collection of information easy if he can operate on the free sandwich principle of eat now and pay later. Government sources via intimidation. Number one, Internal Revenue Service. Number two, OSHA. Number three, Census. Number four, etc. Other government sources, surveillance of U.S. mail. Habit patterns, programming. Strengths and weaknesses. Number one, activities, sports, hobbies, etc. Number two, see legal, fear, anger, etc., crime record. Number three, hospital records, drug sensitivities, reaction to pain, etc. Psychiatric records, fears, angers, disgust, adaptability, reactions to stimuli, violence, suggestibility or hypnosis, pain, pleasure, love, and sex. Methods of coping, of adaptability, behavior. 1. Consumption of alcohol. 
Two, consumption of drugs. Three, entertainment. Four, religious factors influencing behavior. And number five, other methods of escaping from reality. Payment modus operandi, MO. Pay on time, etc. Number one, payments of telephone bills. Number two, energy purchases, electric, gas. Number three, water purchases. Four, repayment of loans. Five, house payments. Six, automobile payments. And seven, payments on credit cards. Political sensitivity. One, beliefs. Two, contacts. Three, position. Four, strengths and weaknesses. And five, projects and activities. Legal inputs. Behavioral control. Excuses for investigation, search, arrest, or employment of force to modify behavior. Number one, court records. Number two, police records, NCIC. Number three, driving record. Number four, reports made to police. Number five, insurance information. And six, anti-establishment acquaintances. National input information. Business sources, via IRS, etc. Number one, prices of commodities. Number two, sales. Number three, investments in A, stocks, inventory. B, production tools and machinery. C, buildings and improvements. And D, the stock market. Banks and credit bureaus. One, credit information. And two, payment information. Miscellaneous sources. Number one, polls and surveys. Two, publications. Three, telephone records. Four, energy and utility purchases. Short list of outputs. Outputs create controlled situations, manipulation of the economy, hence society, control by control of compensation, and income. Sequence. One, allocates opportunities. Two, destroys opportunities. Three, controls the economic environment. Four, controls the availability of raw materials. Five, controls capital. Six, controls bank rates. Seven, controls the inflation of the currency. Eight, controls the possession of property. Nine, controls industrial capacity. Ten, controls manufacturing. Eleven, controls the availability of goods, commodities. Twelve, controls the prices of commodities. Thirteen, controls services, the labor force, etc. Fourteen, controls payments to government officials. Fifteen, controls the legal functions. Sixteen, controls the personal data files, uncorrectable by the party slandered. 17. Controls advertising. 18. Controls media contact. 19. Controls material available for TV viewing. 20. Disengages attention from real issues. 21. Engages emotions. 22. Creates disorder, chaos, and insanity. 23. Controls design of more probing tax forms. 24. Controls surveillance. 25. Controls the storage of information. 26. Develops psychological analyses and profiles of individuals. 27. Controls legal functions. Repeat of 15. 28. Controls sociological factors. 29. Controls health options. 30. Preys on weaknesses. 31. Cripples strengths. And 32. Leeches wealth and substance. Table of Strategies The first statement will be signified as do this, and the second statement to get this. So for example, number one, keep the public ignorant to get less public organization. 
maintain access to control points for feedback to get a required reaction to outputs, prices, and sales. Create preoccupation to get lowered defenses. Attack the family unit to control the education of the young. Give less cash and more credit and doles, and get more self-indulgent and more data. Next, attack the privacy of the church and destroy faith in this sort of government. Encourage social conformity and get programming simplicity. Minimize the tax protest and maximize economic data and get minimum enforcement problems. Stabilize the consent to simplify coefficients. Tighten control of variables to get simpler computer input data, greater predictability. Establish boundary conditions to get problem simplicity and solutions of differential and difference equations. Proper timing to get less data shift and blurring. Maximize control to minimize resistance to control. And collapse the currency to destroy faith of the American people and each other. A note by William Cooper, The Ultimate Objective, New World Order. Diversion, the primary strategy. Experience has proven that the simplest method of securing a silent weapon and gaining control of the public is to keep the public undisciplined and ignorant of basic systems principles on the one hand, while keeping them confused, disorganized, and distracted with matters of no real importance on the other hand. This is achieved by one, disengaging their minds, sabotaging their mental activities, providing a low-quality program of public education in mathematics, logic, systems, design, and economics, and discouraging technical creativity. Number two, engaging their emotions, increasing their self-indulgence, and their indulgence in emotional and physical activities by unrelenting emotional affrontations and attacks, mental and emotional rape, by way of a constant barrage of sex, violence, and wars in the media, especially the TV and the newspapers, and also by giving them what they desire, an excess, junk food for thought, and depriving them of what they really need. Three, this is achieved by also rewriting history and law, and subjecting the public to the deviant creation, thus being able to shift their thinking from personal needs to highly fabricated outside priorities. These preclude their interest in and discovery of the silent weapons of social automation technology. The general rule is that there is profit and confusion. The more confusion, the more profit. Therefore, the best approach is to create problems, and then offer these solutions. Diversion Summary Media Keep the adult public attention diverted away from the real social issues and captivated by matters of no real importance. Schools. Keep the young public ignorant of real mathematics, real economics, real law, and real history. Entertainment. Keep the public entertainment below a sixth grade level. Work. Keep the public busy, busy, busy with no time to think. Back on the farm with the other animals. Consent. The primary victory. A silent weapon system operates upon data obtained from a docile public by legal, but not always lawful force. Much information is made available to silent weapon systems programmers through the Internal Revenue Service. See studies in the structure of the American economy for an IRS source list. This information consists of the enforced delivery of well-organized data contained in federal and state tax forms collected, assembled, and submitted by slave labor provided by taxpayers and employers. Furthermore, the number of such forms submitted to the IRS is a useful indicator of public consent, an important factor in strategic decision-making. Other data sources are given in these short list of inputs. Consent coefficients. Numerical feedback indicating victory status. Psychological basis. 
When the government is able to collect tax and seize private property without just compensation, it is an indication that the public is ripe for surrender and is consenting to enslavement and legal encroachment. A good and easily quantified indicator of harvest time is the number of public citizens who pay income tax despite an obvious lack of reciprocal or honest service from the government. Amplification Energy Sources The next step in the process of designing an economic amplifier is discovering the energy sources. The energy sources which support any primitive economic system are, of course, a supply of raw materials and the consent of the people to labor and consequently assume a certain rank, position, level, or class in the social structure, i.e. to provide labor at various levels in the pecking order. Each class, in guaranteeing its own own level of income, controls the class immediately below it, hence preserves the class structure. This provides stability and security, but also government from the top. As time goes on and communication and education improve, the lower class elements of the social labor structure become knowledgeable and envious of the good things that the upper class members have. They also begin to attain a knowledge of energy systems and the ability to enforce their rise through the class structure. This threatens the sovereignty of the elite. If this rise of the lower classes can be postponed long enough, the elite can achieve energy dominance, and labor by consent no longer will hold a position of an essential economic energy source. Until such energy dominance is absolutely established, the consent of people to labor and let others handle their affairs must be taken into consideration, since failure to do so could cause the people to interfere in the final transfer of energy sources to the control of the elite. It is essential to recognize that at this time, public consent is still an essential key to the release of energy in the process of economic amplification. Therefore, consent as an energy release mechanism will now be considered. Logistics The successful application of a strategy requires a careful study of inputs, outputs, the strategy connecting the inputs and the outputs, and the available energy sources to fuel the strategy. The study is called logistics. A logistical problem is studied at the elementary level first, and then levels of greater complexity are studied as a synthesis of elementary factors. This means that a given system is analyzed, i.e. broken down into its subsystems, and these in turn are analyzed until, by this process, one arrives at the logistical atom, the individual. This is where the process of synthesis properly begins, and at the time of the birth of the individual. The artificial womb. From the time a person leaves its mother's womb, Its every effort is directed toward building, maintaining, and withdrawing into artificial wombs, various sorts of substitute protective devices or shells. The objectives of these artificial wombs is to provide a stable environment for both stable and unstable activity, to provide a shelter for the evolutionary processes of growth and maturity, i.e. survival, to provide security for freedom, and to provide defensive protection for offensive activity. This is equally true of both the general public and the elite. However, there is a definite difference in the way each of these classes go about the solution of problems. The political structure of a nation. Dependency. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human god to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be alright when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the godfather? This public behavior is surrender born of fear, laziness, and expediency. 
It is the basis of the welfare state as a strategic weapon, useful against a disgusting public. Action slash offense. Most people want to be able to subdue and or kill other human beings which disturb their daily lives, but they do not want to have to cope with the moral and religious issues which such an overt act on their part might raise. Therefore, they assign the dirty work to others, including their own children, so as to keep the blood off their own hands. They rave about the humane treatment of animals and then sit down to a delicious hamburger from a whitewashed slaughterhouse down the street and out of sight. But even more hypocritical, they pay taxes to finance a professional association of hitmen, collectively called politicians, and then complain about corruption in government. Responsibility. Again, most people want to be free to do things, to explore, etc., but they are afraid to fail. The fear of failure is manifested in their responsibility, and especially in delegating those personal responsibilities to others where success is uncertain, or carries possible or created liabilities, law, which the person is not prepared to accept. They want authority, root word author, but they will not accept responsibility or liability, so they hire politicians to face reality for them. Summary The people hire the politicians so that the people can 1. Obtain security without managing it. 2. Obtain action without thinking about it. 3. Inflict theft, injury, and death upon others without having to contemplate either life or death. 4. Avoid responsibility for their own intentions. And 5. Obtain the benefits of reality and science without exerting themselves in the discipline of facing or learning either of these things. They give the politicians the power to create and manage a war machine to 1. Provide for the survival of the nation, the womb. 2. To provide encroachment of anything upon the nation, the womb. 3. Destroy the enemy who threatens the nation, the womb. 4. Destroy those citizens of their own country who do not conform for the sake of stability of the nation or the womb. Politicians hold many quasi-military jobs, the lowest being the police, which are soldiers, the attorneys and the CPAs next who are spies and saboteurs, licensed, and the judges who shout the orders and run the closed union military shop for whatever the market will bear. The generals are industrialists. The presidential level of commander-in-chief is shared by the international bankers. The people know that they have created this farce and financed it with their own taxes, consent, but they would rather knuckle under than be the hypocrite. Thus, a nation divided into two very distinct parts, a docile subnation, great silent majority, and a political subnation. The political subnation remains attached to the docile subnation, tolerates it, and leeches its substance until it grows strong enough to detach itself and then devour its parent. System Analysis In order to make meaningful computerized economic decisions about war, the primary economic flywheel, it is necessary to assign concrete logistical values to each element of the war structure, personnel and material alike. This process begins with a clear and candid description of the subsystems of such a structure. The draft as military service. Few efforts of human behavior modification are more remarkable or more effective than that of the socio-military institution known as the draft. A primary purpose of a draft or other such institution is to instill, by intimidation, in the young males of a society, the uncritical conviction that the government is omnipotent. William Cooper notes, The truth is just the opposite, as government exists only with the consent of the people. Back to the document. He is soon taught that a prayer is slow to reverse what a bullet can do in an instant. Thus, a man trained in a religious environment for 18 years of his life can, by this instrument of the government, be broken down, be purged of his fantasies and illusions in a matter of mere months. Once that conviction is instilled, all else becomes easy to instill. Even more interesting is the process by which a young man's parents, who purportedly love him, can be induced to send him off to war to his death. 
Although the scope of this work will not allow this matter to be expanded in full detail, nevertheless, a course overview will be possible and can serve to reveal those factors which must be included in some numerical form in a computer analysis of social and war systems. We begin with a tentative definition of the draft. The draft, selective service, etc., is an institution of compulsory collective sacrifice and slavery devised by the middle-aged and the elderly for the purpose of pressing the young into doing the public dirty work. It further serves to make the youth as guilty as the elders, thus making criticism of the elders by the youth less likely generational stabilizer. It is marketed and sold to the public under the label of patriotic equals national service. Once a candid economic definition of the draft is achieved, that definition is used to outline the boundaries of a structure called a human value system, which in turn is translated into the terms of game theory. The value of such a slave laborer is given in a table of human values, a table broken down into categories by intellect, experience, post-service job demand, etc. Some of these categories are ordinary and can be tentatively evaluated in terms of the value of certain jobs for which a known fee exists. Some jobs are harder to value because they are unique to the demands of social subversion, for an extreme example, the value of a mother's instruction to her daughter, causing that daughter to put certain behavioral demands upon a future husband 10 or 15 years hence, thus by suppressing his resistance to a perversion of government, making it easier for a banking cartel to buy the state of New York in, say, 20 years. Such a problem leans heavily upon the observations and data of wartime espionage and many types of psychological testing. But crude mathematical models, algorithms, etc., can be devised, if not to predict, at least to predetermine these events with maximum certainty. What does not exist by natural cooperation is thus enhanced by calculated compulsion. Human beings are machines. Levers may be grasped and turned, and there is little real difference between automating a society and automating a shoe factory. These derived values are variable. It is necessary to use a current table of human values for computer analysis. These values are given in true measure, rather than U.S. dollars, since the latter is unstable, being presently inflated beyond the production of national goods and services, so as to give the economy a false kinetic energy, paper inductance. The silver value is stable, it being possible to buy the same amount with a gram of silver today as could be bought in 1920. Human value measured in silver unit changes slightly due to changes in production technology. Enforcement Factor 1 as in every social system approach, stability is achieved only by understanding and accounting for human nature, action, reaction, patterns. A failure to do so can be, and usually is, disastrous. As in other human social schemes, one form or another of intimidation or incentive is essential to the success of the draft. Physical principles of action and reaction must be applied to both internal and external subsystems. To secure the draft, individual brainwashing, programming in both the family unit and the peer group must be engaged and brought under control. Factor 2. Father. The man of the household must be housebroken to ensure that Junior will grow up with the right social training and attitudes. The advertising media, etc., are engaged to see to it that father-to-be is pussy-whipped before or by the time he is married. He is taught that he either conforms to the social notch cut out for him, or his sex life will be hobbled and his tender companionship will be zero. He is made to see that women demand security more than logical, principled, or honorable behavior. By the time his son must go to war, father, with jelly for a backbone, will slam a gun into Junior's hand before father will risk the censure of his peers or make a hypocrite of himself by crossing the investment he has in his own personal opinion or self-esteem. Junior will go to war or father will be embarrassed. So Junior will go to war, the true purpose notwithstanding. Factor 3. Mother. The female element of human society is ruled by emotion first and logic second. In the battle... 
between logic and imagination. Imagination always wins. Fantasy prevails. Maternal instinct dominates so that the child comes first and the future comes second. A woman with a newborn baby is too starry-eyed to see a wealthy man's cannon fodder or a cheap source of slave labor. A woman must, however, be conditioned to accept the transition to reality when it comes or sooner. As the transition becomes more difficult to manage, the family unit must be carefully disintegrated, and state-controlled public education and state-operated childcare centers must become more common and legally enforced so as to begin the detachment of the child from the mother and father at an earlier age. Inoculation of behavioral drugs, such as Ritalin, can speed the transition for the child. Mandatory. Caution. A woman's impulsive anger can override her fear. An irate woman's power must never be underestimated, and her power over a pussy-whipped husband must likewise never be underestimated. It got women the vote in 1920. Factor 4. Junior. The emotional pressure for self-preservation during time of war and the self-serving attitude of the common herd that have an option to avoid the battlefield, if Junior can be persuaded to go, is all of the pressure finally necessary to propel Johnny off to war. Their great blackmailings of him are the threats, no sacrifice, no friends, no glory, no girlfriends. Factor 5. Sister. And what about Junior's sister? She is given all the good things of life by her father and taught to expect the same from her future husband regardless of the price. Factor 7. Cattle. Those who will not use their brains are no better off than those who have no brains, and so this mindless school of jellyfish, father, mother, son, and daughter, become useful beasts of burden, or trainers of the same. End of excerpt. William Cooper, author's notes. So now you know. This chapter could only come in the beginning. Your preconceived ideas had to be shattered in order for you to understand the rest of this book. In this chapter, you can see every step that the elite have taken in their war to control this once great nation. You can see the steps that will be taken in the future. You can no longer pretend innocence. Your denial of the conspiracy will fall on deaf ears. This book is part of the education that will give Americans the weapons needed in the coming months and years of hardship as the New World Order struggles to be born. Many will argue that Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars is only a bogus conglomeration of words for which the writer has never taken credit or responsibility. Those who do so ignore the self-evident truths contained within the document. They ignore these truths because they are an indictment of their own ignorance, which they cannot face. The document, first found in 1969, correctly outlines events which subsequently came to pass. It cannot be ignored or dismissed. The document is genuine. Its truths cannot be negated or shrugged away. The message is this. You must accept that you have been cattle, and the ultimate consequence of being cattle, which is slavery. Or you must prepare to fight, and if necessary, die to preserve your God-given right to freedom. That last sentence is the real reason why people choose to ignore silent weapons for quiet wars. People are not ready to admit that they have been cattle. They are not prepared to fight, and if necessary, die for freedom. It is an indictment of the citizens of the United States of America, and that is the total confirmation of the truth of the information contained and silent weapons for quiet wars. You've just heard Chapter 1 from Bill Cooper's book, Behold a Pale Horse. A link to download the PDF of the book will be in the show notes.